1: we go. Episode 719 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Wednesday, December 13th, 2023. It is my birthday. Uh, I turn 44. I begin my age 44 season. Uh, I now am the same age as comedian Kevin Hart, (laughs) Actor Chris Pratt and rapper Flo Rida. Me and Flo, we riding together. Uh, Forty-four. I now am the same age Tom Brady was for the 2021 NFL regular season, in which he, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, had an NFL best 43 touchdown passes and had an NFL best 5,316 passing yards. Forty-four. I now am the same age. At which Texas Rangers starting pitcher Nolan Ryan on May 1st, 1991, through his seventh career. No hitter. I'm not sure that I can live up to what these people did at 44, but I can at least try, right? Hello and welcome to this Wednesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, is my 44th birthday going to be the day on which Washington, D.C. effectively loses the Capitals and Wizards? Uh, We have a 9 a.m. press conference on Wednesday for Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, reportedly attending the press conference will be the owner of the Caps and Wizards monumental sports and entertainment founder and CEO, Ted Leonsis. The expectation is that Glenn and Ted are going to announce an agreement for Ted moving Caps and Wizards games from Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. to a new facility in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, Now, there remain a number of steps to be completed before such a move would happen, but is this day of December 13th, 2023 going to go down as a big day in Washington, D.C. sports? Now, Uh, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser and DC Council Chairman Phil Mendelson, they on Tuesday night unveiled legislation to support a complete renovation and modernization of Capital One Arena. DC via this legislation would contribute five Hundred million dollars, so perhaps a last-second effort by DC to keep the Caps and Wizards playing games in the city. Uh, this situation is developing really quickly. I uh, later in the show we will discuss what the heck is going on here. But next segment, a conversation with Commanders insider Ben Standing of the Athletic. Ben is in Los Angeles, already prepping for Commanders at the LA Rams this Sunday afternoon at 4:05. No, actually, Ben has been vacationing and also doing some work in L.A., but he's good enough to take some time away from the bright lights of L.A. uh, to talk commanders with us. Among the many items that we're going to discuss, what if Washington and not the Rams in the 2021 offseason had traded for quarterback Matthew Stafford, as we know Washington, tried to do. Uh, why hasn't Washington, under head coach Ron Rivera, at any point behaved with the urgency that the Rams, the F-them-picks Rams, <laughs> have displayed so often? What needs more work this coming offseason, the commander's offense or defense? What should we make of the announcement by the commanders this past Friday that they, beginning in early 2024, quote, will move business operations from FedEx Field to Riverdale Park, located on the campus of the University of Maryland? End quote. All of that and more with Ben Standing, L.A. Ben, <laughs> next segment. Also on the show, I'll talk college basketball home wins for Maryland and Georgetown over bad teams on Tuesday night. The Terrapins routed Alcorn State 105-65 at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. The Hoyas ripped Coppin State 71-54 at Capital One Arena. Uh, before we get to some feedback, the Nationals, uh, they on Tuesday evening officially announced having agreed on one- contracts with not one, but two free agents, uh, infielder slash outfielder Nick Senzel, who the team did label as a third baseman and who we last week learned had agreed on a deal with the Nats, and reliever Dylan Floro, whose agreement with the Nats had not been previously reported. Uh, So surprise, uh, the Nats have a new reliever, uh, Dylan Floro. He is entering his age 33 season. He had good 2021 and 2022 seasons for the Miami Marlins, uh, but did struggle with the Marlins in mid Twins last season. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me the Galdi Podcast at Yahoo.com. Email from Gene in Manassas, Virginia, on the Commander's quarterback situation, including Sam Howell vis-a-vis the top quarterback prospects in the twenty twenty-four NFL draft. Right Gene, I still listen to your podcast first thing every day. Love the analytics mixed with the emotion and logic. Thank you, Gene. Continues, Gene. I'm not thrilled with Caleb Williams as a quarterback to push Sam Howell. Caleb is only 6'1", as is Sam. And I think that height is the only thing holding Sam back. It presents problems in seeing the field and getting past the hands of defensive linemen. No reason to expect Caleb to be any better. And Caleb is likely to be worse compared to the durability that Sam has shown. So I'd like the commanders to draft Drake, May, or Jaden Daniels as an alternative who might have a better chance of outperforming Sam. Both are 6-4. If one is gone at our pick, we can get the other, even if we have to trade back to avoid overdrafting. Then get us a star offensive lineman and a star linebacker with the other high picks. But just as we are getting excited about our draft picks, the Commanders will probably win two out of the last four and draft middle of the pack again. If so, I hope at least some of our young players shine in these wins. Uh, Thank you for the email, Gene. Uh, As things stand right now, I would take USC quarterback Caleb Williams over Sam Howell. The height thing is not an issue for me. Yes, you'd prefer that your quarterback be taller than 6'1", but height for a shorter quarterback is not an issue if he's adept at Finding throwing lanes and throwing on the run. To me, Sam Howell's biggest problem is not his height. His biggest problem is the taking of sacks. But he has gotten better at that. And if he continues to get better at that, he can be a good quarterback. My concern with Caleb Williams is my concern with any quarterback in an NFL draft. What is he as a person? Uh, is he a hard worker? Does he love football? Is he smart? Is he mature? Is he a good teammate? These are all things that we can't know from the outside looking in. These are things that NFL teams attempt to find out by a uh, the NFL scouting combine and talking with the quarterbacks college and even high school coaches. Caleb Williams, by the way, a product of Gonzaga College High School in Washington, D.C. But the makeup stuff matters a lot. One of the snapshots of Caleb Williams that has gotten a ton of attention is him crying in his mother's arms after then number 20 USC's 52-42 home loss to then number five Washington on November 4th. What was that? Caleb Williams crying in his mother's arms. Uh, Was that an emotionally spent quarterback who truly loves football and cares about his team, just showing how much he cares? Uh, Or was that a sign of extreme immaturity? You'd have to know a lot more about Caleb Williams to answer that question. And the job of the commanders, if they have a realistic shot of drafting or trading up to draft Caleb, is finding out more about Caleb and finding out more about the other quarterbacks, you know, North Carolina's Drake May, LSU's Jaden Daniels, etc. The commanders have had Sam Howell for two seasons now. Uh, Every indication is that Sam is smart and mature and diligent and a good teammate. If you can say those things about Caleb Williams and Drake May, then yeah, right now, I would take those guys over Sam. Uh, Jaden Daniels is a closer call. Email from Wendell Hicks on Maryland football, writes Wendell, I hope all is well. As always, I continue to enjoy your show. It helps me through my work mornings. Well, thank you, Wendell, continues Wendell. With Talia Tungavailoa basically rewriting the Maryland record book for quarterbacks, what do you think is next for the program? I hope that he is to Maryland what Taj Boyd was to Clemson, the first quarterback in a string of really good quarterbacks. Even though this season did not meet what many expected, we would be foolish to discount the fact that the Terps are going to a bowl game for a third consecutive season for the first time in 20 years. I would think that Mike Loxley would be looking to the transfer portal for his next starting quarterback. An interesting name is Grayson McCall. I would be interested to know your thoughts. Uh, Thank you for the email, Wendell. Uh, Yeah, quarterback Grayson McCall uh, transferring from Coastal Carolina, the only player ever to win Sunbelt Conference Player of the Year for each of three seasons. He won the award for the 2020 through 2022 seasons. Uh, Now, there is competition (laughs) for Grayson McCall. I'd love to see Maryland get Grayson McCall, but I don't know how realistic that is. Mike Loxley, as Terrapin's head coach, has done a good job of restoring the program to respectability. But the Terps still are a team that gets to six or seven wins by beating bad and mediocre teams and gets stomped by good teams. And Heck, as we saw this season with the uh, homecoming loss to Illinois and the loss at Northwestern, uh, the Terps under Loxley are not immune to losing to bad and mediocre teams. So, if you are Grayson McCall or any other well regarded quarterback in the NCAA transfer portal, how appealing, truly is Maryland. And I ask that as a legitimate question, like that's not a rhetorical question, how appealing truly is Maryland? The Terps are 0 and 34 against ranked Big 10 teams since joining the conference beginning with the 2014 season. That is a brutal reality, man, and it does the Terps no favors in trying to sway a highly touted guy in the portal to come to Maryland. Well, a law firm that is highly touted is Paulson & Nace. Paulson & Nace has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News & World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 edition. Paulson and Ace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Ace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Ace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis during surgery or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim For legal malpractice, Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent ya. you. can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent ya. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Hey, if you are listening to this podcast via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you can rate the podcast with a star rating. Uh, Five-star ratings are greatly appreciated. They help us out a lot. Thank you for doing them. Uh, So as I and I know many of you are intently following where the commanders are in positioning for the 2024 NFL Draft, because we sure as heck do not have a legitimate playoff race for our team to follow over its final four games this regular season. It's worth noting who the commanders are playing this Sunday. We have the 4-9 commanders at the 6-7 Los Angeles Rams this Sunday afternoon at 4 5 The Rams have become famous for the draft philosophy of (laughs) F them picks. Yes, F them picks. Uh, The Rams have not taken a player with a first-round pick in an NFL draft since taking quarterback Jared Goff with the number one overall pick in the 2016 draft. The Rams have not taken a player with a first-round pick in an NFL draft since 2016. Uh, The Rams are in the midst of an eight-year first-round pick drought, 2016 through 2023. Now, interestingly, The two longest first round pick droughts in NFL history belong to Washington. An 11 year drought from 1969 through 1979, and a 70 year drought from 1984 through 1990. The Redskins, incredibly, made just four first-round picks over 23 NFL drafts from 1969 through 1991, although three of those four first-round picks worked out quite well. Uh, 1980 receiver Art Monk, 1981 offensive lineman Mark May, 1983 corner Daryl Green, and then 1991 interior defensive lineman Bobby Wilson. But yeah, the Rams F them picks. (laughs) Uh, That philosophy helped them win the Super Bowl for the 2021 season. Heck, Les Snead, who has been the Rams general manager since February 2012, he at the Rams Super Bowl parade and rally in February 2022 wore a t-shirt that actually said F them picks. And he and his speech at the rally actually said F them picks. Take a listen.
2: So in honor of the shirt, F them picks, we'll use them to go win more Super Bowls.
1: Yeah, F them picks. Uh, Well, a man who I know does value draft capital is the man who joins me now. Commanders insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, Ben and I, this Commanders season, have an arrangement, an alliance by which we are appearing on each other's podcasts. Uh, Ben does an awesome job of covering the Commanders. Uh, He is the host of the Standing Room Only podcast, and you can follow him on X at Ben Standing. And Ben is coming to us from Los Angeles, from La La Land, uh, where you have been enjoying yourself with the Commanders having just had their bye week. Now, given that the team has this game at the Rams this Sunday, are you, in fact, staying in L.A. for this week?
3: Sources say that is a uh, distinct possibility, yes. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, I mean, I don't like taking vacation during the season uh, for all the obvious reasons, I would think, but one, you know, whatever notion of vacation I would would have liked previous to the season, you know, blew up because of all the sales stuff and everything else. Um, but then, yeah, the, the bye week comes and they're playing in LA, and I was like, you know what? Let me uh, <laughs> let me, let me, let me uh, change uh, change uh, locations for a little bit. And I will say that um, seeing the weather that that back in DC right now, I am very happy with that. This is the opposite of like the Carson Wentz trade. I feel pretty good about it. Look at the analytics for this trade, and uh, I saw that I was like, "Yeah, this is a good one."
1: Yeah, the uh, analytics for that trade uh, a lot better <laughs> than the analytics for the Commanders trade for Carson Wentz, who interestingly is on the Rams. Right? He's there. QB2. Well, the Rams QB1, of course, is Matthew Stafford, uh, with whom they won the Super Bowl for the 2021 season. It was in the 2021 offseason that Washington tried and failed to trade for Stafford. Uh, The Detroit Lions on March 18th, 2021, eventually dealt Stafford to the Rams for quarterback Jared Goff. First round picks in 2022 and 2023 and a 2021 third round pick. Uh, Again, F them picks. Uh, Washington, per multiple reports, offered at least a first-round pick and a third-round pick for Stafford. Washington wanted Stafford, but only went so far to try to get him. This is a total hypothetical, but as we are in what are almost certainly the final weeks for Ron Rivera as Washington head coach, had he offered more to the Lions and acquired Stafford, do you think that things would be appreciably different for Ron and the commanders right now?
3: I mean, I, I think it's pretty hard to think that it wouldn't be. I, I mean, obviously this year is going very south, but they basically have been a 500-ish team the, the previous three years despite starting, you know, Alex Smith on his one leg, all the Taylor Heinicke starts, Ryan Fitzpatrick getting hurt, you know, Carson Wentz. You know, that was a lot to go through, and they still were a roughly 500 team, so you would think that, the stability that would come from having that kind of a quarterback uh, would go a long way. Now, obviously, Stafford's got an injury history. We know the offensive line's been compromised. Maybe he would have been – maybe it would be even worse. Like, you know, maybe he just gets hurt flat out last year with the way they were giving up sacks um, early on in particular. But, yeah, I I think without question. But I think something you said there I think was really interesting. And that is that – they so they tried to get Stafford, but maybe didn't go all the way. Like I feel like this has been part of their problem over the time, and maybe even more specifically this year, right? Like they were you know I think we all sort of forget they tried to get Amari Ar- Cooper. Wait, what's his name?
1: Amari Cooper, yeah.
3: Amari Cooper, too much sun. L.A. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know they try to do that. And then you know, they lose him to Dallas. And as I recall, like the like they offered him even a little bit more, but you know, when you're back there in state taxes and whatever. So they tried that. Then they tried Stafford, Russell Wilson. Obviously a lot of these things are compromised because of the Snyder situation. Totally reasonable. And, and that's not, you know, something Ron had to deal with, but then you even like, look, to this year, right? I mean, Sam Howell, interesting, but he was already here and it was like, you know, I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is. Um, Every time, you know, this over the course of this year, where they've had some injuries, they're just promoting guys from the practice squad. I know that's why the practice squad exists. But it's not like they went out and signed some replacement who has had, you know, NFL prior experience. And maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but, like, in general, you know, they kind of weren't doing that. When when Chris Harris left, they replaced him with um, Brett Bieselmeyer, again, sort of like
2: a kind of an uninspiring hire, just because it was, like, internal. It wasn't like somebody who's
3: already kind of done this and then even like I was talking about this earlier with uh, Kevin Sheehan about like how you know back to that Eagles game when Ron when they scored the touchdown that Ron decides to not go for two takes the extra point and they lose in overtime <laughs> like that's not what I'm talking about in terms of the personnel or coaching decisions but it is sort of the point of just like where was the only move where was the aggressive move and I'm going to yes you can point the cards and the way that you know, that, that regardless of the fact that it blew up, that just felt more like desperation because he had been missing out on Stafford and Russell Wilson. And I just feel like the, there's been this sort of lack of urgency this whole time. And, you know, who knows, maybe maybe Riverboat Ron uh, you know, got off the saddle when he was dealing with his personal situations, but when, when he was diagnosed with cancer and, you know, he had some losses in the family and then of course, you know, COVID's happening and everything else. But I, I just feel like collectively, like it's hard to have seen like what the plan was in so many ways across the board. And Stafford, I think, is a good example of okay, you went for it, you didn't get it, but how, like you said, did you really? Like, it, what, what was the, what was Plan B? Did you try, if, you're, if that was your only plan, why did you go harder? Screw what the Rams want, like offer six first round picks, I, whatever, and I, I can't uh, that's type of thing.
1: Well, I on this podcast talk about Ron Ease, uh, the language of Ron Rivera. And one of the principal tenets of Ron is how the messaging can change, how what is said today may not be said tomorrow, how Ron has this tendency to alter his messaging, even do a 180 on his messaging based on how he feels and what he thinks sounds good and will play well. And so to your point, we throughout the Ron Rivera era for Washington have had this vacillating between, say, rebuilding and trying to win now and being dead set on finding a franchise quarterback, and just finding a quarterback who's good enough. And just this year, talking up the importance of running game-oriented offense— to then having the most pass-happy offense in the NFL. The lack of consistency, the lack of congruency really has been something, and it suggests a lack of conviction and a lack of clarity. Uh, But in terms of an all-in Rams-like move by Washington under Ron, the attempted move that comes to my mind is the attempted trade for quarterback Russell Wilson. The commanders reportedly offered the Seattle Seahawks three first-round picks for Russ. Uh, but other than that, there really has not been even an attempted all-in move by Washington under Ron.
3: Well, and, you know, Russell Wilson, like, you know, had to say he didn't want to come play for Dan Snyder's team, whether Seattle liked Washington's offer or not. So that's, So he was compromised there. But, like, you know, it isn't just with the veterans even, right? I mean, you know, look at the draft, for example. <laughs> 2021, again, I'm not saying I would have push them to do this but they were you know because they randomly won the division they were picking 19. Um, As we know the Bears I believe were picking 20th that year they traded up to get Justin Fields certainly it's taken a while for Justin Fields to get going but here in year three he's starting to show some positive signs but even if it wasn't that right I mean again this is a little Monday morning quarterbacking you know what do they end up doing the drag David Davis right okay cool I mean it hasn't been that great. And obviously, Jamie David goes on the IR. But Michael Parsons got picked, what, 10th or 11th that year? I mean, I guess they just, whatever, they didn't see it or they, there were questions about him off the field or whatever was going on. But, like, you know, you could have done that too. If you really wanted a linebacker, which they obviously did, why not go in there? Like, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's it's the drafting of Fidarian Mathis because Deron Payne's a free agent. But then Deron Payne has the year that he has. Forget that he's been, been off this year. What was the plan going to be? Pedarian Mathis, your second round pick, at most is playing like 30 to 40% of the snaps. Uh, <laughs> if you're keeping pain, I mean, what what's that plan? Net, you know, trade Young or Squint? Okay, I get it. But if you trade both, do you have anybody else? Well, no, because you didn't spend any capital to do this. Like, you have, where's the vision for any of these moves they've made? And just over and over again, it just doesn't feel like there has been, because to your point, I think a lot of this is just sort of the plan has been developed on the fly for whatever just happened or whatever the whims
1: of somebody are or so on. Much more with Ben standing in moments. We're going to next discuss the state of the commander's roster. Uh, But if the state of your home is that it needs fireplace, stove, or chimney work, and you live in Northern Virginia, get with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales, service and installation, handles gas, electric and wood stoves and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Algaldi Sancha and receive a thousand dollars off select in-stock gas inserts and a thousand dollars off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove. It has been around for more than twenty years. It is run by Big Commanders fans, my guys Daniel and Stewart, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has master gas fitter. Master electrician, Class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector. And because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors. And Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work. That is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It is a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova fireplace and Stove. Dot com and take advantage of this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sends you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent ya. More now with Commander's Insider Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, You for The Athletic have written a series of pieces examining the Commander's roster. A uh, breakdown of the offense that came out last Thursday, December 7th, and a breakdown of the defense that came out on Monday. In assessing the commander's roster, is there more work to be done on offense or defense for whoever is running the team's football operations beyond this season?
3: Man, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the fact that I don't know says so much about how the defense is falling backwards this year. You know, if you tell me a new coaching staff can take Forbes and the safeties and, um, you know, some of the younger defensive linemen or maybe even Jamin Davis and and find ways to get more out of them. Maybe the, the, the defense is a quicker fix, but right now, you know, other than Allen or Payne and neither one of them are going to be coming off with their best season, you know, it's, it's really hard to point to too much for the defense and say, you know what, that looks pretty good. Now, granted, we all entered this here thinking, hey, the defense looks pretty good and things completely fell apart. So just because you think that's one thing it doesn't mean it won't happen, but you know, I, you know, it, it between Sam Howell and this potential top five pick, it feels like they at least have something at quarterback to work with. You still have the receivers. You still have Brian Robinson. You know, I don't think they're going to like ship out like everybody on the offensive line, but some. Um, so it almost feels like the offense might be a little bit quicker to fix. But I don't know that 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 may be that may be wrong. The defense has a lot of guys who are pick tied, but it's just. I think that's the real rub is like, man, like this thing that was looking like it could be a pretty, you know, pretty good stronghold for a few years to come. I, I, I mean, there's arguably a need of a complete overhaul depending on what you think of some of these games.
1: You mentioned what we found out about on Monday that linebacker Jamin Davis is done for the season. Whoever is running commander's football operations beyond this season, is this coming off season going to have to decide whether to exercise the fifth year option in Jamin's rookie contract. I won't hold you to this because so many things could change, but right now, do you think that the team will exercise that fifth year option?
3: I would guess no. I mean, I, if we strip away the first round pick when evaluating Davis, like, I, I think he's made incremental progress each season. Each game, there's a player or two where you're like, okay, that's a pretty good tackle or read or an aggressive play. But you yeah, know, we see every week the other oh, opposing teams go after him with that wheel route. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but in the story I have up that you reference, like I put in some there. He's got some pretty glaring um, issues in coverage, or some other things based on what PFF tracks yards allowed, things like that. So I don't know what I've seen to make me think, especially for the newer team that didn't draft him, to think I got to commit to Damon Davis. For another year. I think he's been fine. You know, if you can work out some of your other issues on the line in the secondary, want to stay with him and maybe uh, look to get a new Mike Linebacker. Cool. But I I, I don't know. I don't see the
1: I don't see the need to extend him at this point. What, What do you think? I would lean no. And so the commanders for a second consecutive offseason may not exercise the fifth year option of a first round pick. Didn't do so for edge defender Chase Young this past offseason. May not do so for Jamin Davis this coming offseason. What does that say about Washington's drafting under Ron Rivera? I mean, Ben, the team under Ron has made four first round picks. Not a single one of those picks has been a no doubt hit.
3: Right, and I guess what's so hard to know is, you know, what's the line between the misidentification of a player evaluation or the coaching staff falling short, right? Because, you know, Jahan has looked good at times, but certainly this year it's just been inconsistent. Chase Young, you know, the, the physical tools were there, but they, you know, ultimately decided it wasn't going to work out. It's hard to suggest that they were wrong on that. Forbes, obviously, it's a long way to go, but, you know, <laughs> This year is pretty, pretty messy. And uh, you know, he mentioned and You know, like I said, at best he's made incremental progress. But you know, he's rarely shown the splash. That that's the reason he draft a guy like that because of the athletic tools and what his upside is. We, he's rarely sniffed that. So you know, how much of this was? Mis- uh, either way, you know, whether it's a misidentification from the evaluation or the coaching, either way, it falls on Rivera because he's he's overseeing all of it. So yeah, it's pretty pretty distressing and, and you know, just even you know, even to broaden it out, with Cam Curl leaving let's sorry, with Cam Curl free agent, maybe he stays, but we'll see. But you know, no it, it put him into the free agent pile. Like how many guys from this from the draft over four years that have they had at any round? You're like look at that. Okay, Sam Howell, interesting Brian Robinson and I'm sure there's one or two others, but it's not a lot. Sam Cosby's had a better year. But it's not like it's a lot right now. And that's, you know, that's where your roster starts to look bad when you go, when you have four drafts and it's hard to say, wait, what did you guys
1: get out of this? You brought up safety Cameron Curl with the commanders having traded their two most high profile unrestricted free agents to be at edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Do you view Cam Curl or corner Kendall Fuller as a legitimate candidate to be franchise or transition tagged this offseason?
3: certainly not the franchise tags. Now you're paying top five at the position and I don't think either guy is close to that the transition tag. I don't even know when the last time somebody has used that. I also this to say no, but you know, I, I think to me when they traded Montez Sweat in particular, it said that the new ownership group is open to taking a step back, bringing in their people and then using their people to determine what happens next. So, when you're a GM type person, you get far more credit. Obviously, you get a lot of credit when, but on an individual level, you get credit for the guys that you found, for the guys that you uncovered. Right? I mean, that's like we're, we're playing this game with Ron. We're the best players on this team. All the guys that he inherited. Right. So, if you're a new person coming in, you know maybe you want to. I mean, you're going to keep some of these guys, but you know maybe there's some other safety or some other cornerback that you like. You bring them in, you get credit for that versus, you know, Cam Curl. And I know that's not something really some people want to hear, but it is just the reality. So, yeah, I, I don't think I, – I, I don't know which any of these guys, like you would have to say, has to come
1: back. I do want to get your take regarding something with Commander's business operations. Uh, the Commander's this past Friday announced – that the team beginning in early 2024, quote, will move business operations from FedEx Field to Riverdale Park, located on the campus of the University of Maryland, uh, to meet greater demand for suites while expanding the franchise's footprint in the state of Maryland. The move comes on the heels of growing business and fan engagement success, including 13 new sponsors, a 20% increase in the team season ticket holder base, and sellouts of all 2023 home games to date, end quote. And then quoted in the press release is team president Jason Wright. Uh, this moving of the team's business operations from FedEx Field to Riverdale Park, is there anything more here than meets the eye?
3: I don't think it's much of anything. I do wonder... And I tweeted this. I, I think I tweeted like I don't know if this is a tinfoil theory or a tinfoil hat theory or you know visionary genius, but it's not just that they moved locally somewhere near Phoenix. They moved specifically to the University of Maryland. And you know we have seen in the past when teams need a temporary stadium, they often use a local college. Well, if that were to be the case, should you know, then then that would be the University of Maryland, presumably. Even if that stadium is not exactly up to snuff, of course people point out well, neither is FedEx Field. So what's the what's the difference? But I don't think I don't I don't think so. I do just think it gives them a foothold there, and you know, should something happen, you know, should they ultimately land this stay in Maryland, but to build the second stadium on that site is going to compromise some aspects of FedEx Field, even if it's just parking that they have to do something else. They already have a foothold there, but beyond that, I, I still don't think they're. I, I still don't think it matters at, at all. On are way on to see where DC is at with regards to are they gonna, you know, how how much are they gonna be in the game? Because I think we seen Maryland in, but um, we'll have to see. So no, I don't think the will be, be much
1: of And with Jason Wright, are you hearing anything? Ron Rivera is going to be fired no later than a day or two after the end of the commander's season. Any sense on what's going to happen with Jason?
3: I would assume he's out, but it's a different world, right? I mean, ultimately, we're, you, know, you and I can sit here and look at the record. We can go to PFF. We can look at whatever and, and assess Ron that way. I, I don't have the ledgers that show you know, how much money— was being made or what kind of business deals they were making. We've seen, obviously, Sean Taylor celebrations and things like that that went awry, and from that, there's a lot of reasons to think that it would make sense to get new. Plus, for you Harris, you know, on the business front, just like, you know, with the other positions, having your own people in there would make a lot of sense. So if I had to guess, I would guess Jason Rice would also be out. But, I, I, yeah, it's been less about uh, hearing less about that, and, you know, ultimately... I think one thing to wonder is, he's team president, as we know, with no say on the football side. You know, is there a world where they hire a team president who sort of has a foot in both, sort of like overseeing football and the business kind of personality-like? I'm not trying to compare anything to that, but I just mean in terms of structure. So if that were to happen, you know, that that could be a new wrinkle in general. But uh, yeah, if I had to guess, I would guess Jason Wright. Is likely
1: uh, out. All right, commander's insider Ben Standing of the Athletic. Los Angeles <laughs> will never be the same. Hey, LA in recent days has gotten both the top free agent in MLB, the modern day Babe Ruth, right, outfielder slash starting pitcher Shohei Ohtani, and Ben Standing. Not
3: bad. Al, uh, I'll, I'll get you an Ohtani jersey while I'm here. Thanks, man. <laughs>
1: Hey, we all love the NFL, and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars Pizza pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. The momentum for the Capitals and Wizards playing home games in Alexandria, Virginia now has grown even more. Uh, It was on Monday that we, per multiple reports, had a meeting of the Major Economic Investment Project Approval Commission, which is comprised of 12 Virginia lawmakers. These lawmakers voted to approve a deal for an 8 million square foot sports complex in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, Virginia, for the Cavs and Wizards. Then we, on Tuesday afternoon, had multiple reports that Monumental Sports and Entertainment founder and CEO, Ted Leonsis, on Wednesday will be attending an event at Potomac Yard with Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin. The event will start at 9 a.m. So now there is that. In fact, Washington Business Journal on Tuesday afternoon said that Ted attending this event suggests that, quote, a deal to bring the wizards and capitals across the river is imminent, end quote. Uh, Now, to be clear, there are other levels of approval that still are needed for the Caps and Wizards to begin playing their games in Alexandria, to say nothing of the construction of the complex. But the notion of the Caps and Wizards no longer playing their games at Capital One Arena has become very real. Uh, Ted Leonsis has been unhappy with his situation in D.C. for years. The Washington Post in November reported that Ted wanted D.C. to contribute $600 million for a major renovation of Capital One Arena. The report also said that Monumental Sports and Entertainment would pay for $200 million of the renovation. Uh, There's also this crime. Uh, Axios in March had a report regarding crime near Capital One Arena, I read to you from that report, quote, police data shows there were 80 more incidents of overall crime within a thousand feet of Capital One Arena over the past two years compared with 2019 to 2021. That includes more robberies and crimes with a gun. In November 2022, a double shooting occurred after a concert. Before panicking, it's good to note that crime in D.C. is down overall, but businesses are increasingly worried that clusters of violence and a public perception of disorder are damaging Washington's recovery. Additionally, Monumental Sports and Entertainment in March announced the hiring of 20% more off duty D.C. police officers inside. And around Capital One Arena. Now, not to cry poor for Ted Leonsis, okay? (laughs) trust me on that. But think about this from his perspective. Why should he have to be hiring police? Like, why is that on him? Why isn't the city of D.C. doing a good enough job of being properly staffed with police? So there's a lot going on here. Uh, monumental sports and entertainment's lease at Capital One Arena does go until 2047, but Ted can get out of that lease in 2027 if he pays off a bond on the lease. Uh, The bond is believed to cost around $35 million. Uh, There, to me, are a good number of wild cards in all of this. Uh, Would Ted Leonsis prefer that the Caps and Wizards play home games in Alexandria, or does he truly want the team staying in D.C.? Like, what truly does Ted want? Would the financial hit that DC would take in losing Caps and Wizards games be greater than the cost of reaching a deal to placate Ted and keep Caps and Wizards games in DC? After all, What opened in December 1997 as MCI Center, then became known as Verizon Center, and now is known as Capital One Arena, has been a godsend to the Chinatown section of D.C. Would that section, which already is having problems, plummet further without Caps and Wizards games? And is D.C. truly on the verge of being the site for the Commander's next stadium? And if so, does that lessen the need for D.C.? To have Caps and Wizards games? All of these are key wildcard questions. Uh, In a perfect world, the Caps and Wizards would continue to play their games in DC. But I tell you, I am not one of these immediate DC area elitists (laughs) who hears Alexandria, Virginia, and reacts with sheer horror, all right? Uh, This area, the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, the DMV, as it is known, has changed a lot over the last 40 years. I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, but I, as an immediate D.C. area elitist, uh, do not look down on Virginia. Uh, I recognize that Virginia is not a third world country, contrary to what some of my fellow immediate D.C. area elitists think. And this is why when the Commander's Next Stadium, potentially being in Sterling, Virginia, or Woodbridge, Virginia, or God forbid, Dumfries, Virginia, came up, I did not react as if the Commander's Next Stadium might be on Mars, all right? Uh, the Caps and Wizards playing their home games in a great setup in the Potomac Yard area of Alexandria, Virginia could work, all right? That's the truth. That could work. Now, would that be ideal for everyone? No, no. But that setup would be ideal for plenty of people. You know, there are a lot more people who live in Alexandria, Virginia now as compared to 40 years ago. It's not 1983. It's 2023. A lot has changed. I love Washington, D.C. I spent so much of my 20s and 30s going out in D.C. and spending money in D.C. My friends and I uh, made major contributions to the economies of Adams Morgan and the 18th Street area and the U Street area with how much we went out in D.C. and overpaid for watered down mixed drinks (laughs) in D.C. But things change. D.C. has a lot of problems. Virginia is rising. And so you're not going to hear me play the violin over Caps and Wizards games potentially leaving D.C. Uh, We'll see what happens. I do still wonder if this talk of Ted Leonsis moving Caps and Wizards games from D.C. to Alexandria is posturing, is negotiating. uh, But, things do appear to be getting serious. Uh, Oh, by the way, something else to consider with where the Caps and Wizards end up playing their games is what's happening with Metro, (laughs) which is a whole other conversation. Uh, There now is a Metro stop for the Potomac Yard area. There, of course, is a Metro stop right at Capital One Arena. But Metro's budget for fiscal year 2025 includes drastic cuts. Uh, This due to an operating deficit of, you ready for this, $750 $750 million, roughly 25% of the current budget. Uh, the proposed budget would include closing 10 stations on the Metro Rail network, longer intervals between trains, a 10 p.m. closing time across the system as opposed to the current midnight closing time for Sunday nights through Thursday nights and 1 a.m. closing time for Friday nights and Saturday nights, and 20% increases in fares and parking fees. Yeah, uh, if you ride Metro, good luck. Uh, Monumental Sports and Entertainment on Tuesday afternoon put out a statement via X, quote, While we understand the challenges WMATA, that would be Washington Metro Area Transit Authority, is facing, we were surprised to learn the details of the budget proposal for fiscal year 2025 and the extent of the proposed service reductions. Not only does this proposal unjustly affect the large number of our fans who rely on public transit to travel to and from games, but it puts the hundreds of staff who work at our venues in an untenable situation. We are hopeful, Wamada and local officials, will be able to find a solution that works for all stakeholders and ensures the future health of our region's public transportation system. End quote. Uh, Yeah, Metro is a mess and has been for years. And I say that as someone who used to live right next to a Metro stop. Uh, I, for years, lived right next to what is now known as the North Bethesda Metro stop. I rode the Metro plenty, uh, but Metro is a mess. Well, not a mess. The exact opposite of a mess, in fact, is underdog fantasy. Underdog fantasy offers fantasy football as in both pro and college. Fantasy basketball is in both pro and college and fantasy hockey. Underdog fantasy is the best and easiest place to play Fantasy Sports and Underdog Fantasy has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code Galdi. Underdog Fantasy offers daily contests and season-long fantasy. In fact, Underdog Fantasy offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that Playing fantasy sports can be really time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption, but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get... $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use that promo code GALDI.
2: Well, we move now to college basketball. We on Tuesday night had
1: Maryland and Georgetown, each with a home game against a uh, not so good team. And. Both the Terrapins and Hoyas won convincingly. Uh, Maryland improved to 6-4 and four overall this season with a 105-65 win over Alcorn State at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland on Tuesday night. As Alcorn State fell to 1-9 on the season. The Terp scored at least 100 points for a second time this season, marking the first time since the 2010-2011 season that the Terp scored at least 100 points in each of at least two games. In a season, and the biggest takeaway from this game is that the Terps' offense was great, including being very good on threes. Yeah, the Terps actually had a game in which they were very good on threes. The Terps went 14 of 30 on threes. Uh, This, upcoming into the game, shooting a mere 22.39 percent on threes this season. Here was Terps head coach Kevin Willard during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night.
0: Being at home, it's, it, we've been able to get in a rhythm. We've been able to put a lot of work in. We've been able to have some time off. We've put a lot of individual work in over the last two weeks. So being at home and getting in a rhythm, I, I knew it was only a matter of time until the, we'd start shooting the ball better. Um, you know, the way the season started, just, it just wasn't a good start for young guys to get into a rhythm. I think uh, being at home, having five straight days of practice just gives these guys a little better chance to kind of find their rhythm.
1: Yeah, also the Terps on Tuesday night went 16-27 on twos, generated 40 free throw attempts, going 31-40 of on free throws, and finished with 20 assists versus just eight turnovers. Uh, Now, no Terps player in the game scored more than 15 points, but the Terps had six players each with at least 10 points, first time since December 11th. 2018 that the Terps had at least six players each with at least 10 points in a game. Uh, One guy who really stood out was 6'5 true freshman Deshaun Harris-Smith. Uh, He, in 27 minutes as a starter, went 3 of 4 on threes, 0 of 2 on twos, and 3 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 12 points, 5 assists versus 1 turnover, and 3 steals. And the Terps' defense was good. They held Alcorn State to just 21 of 50 on twos and generated 20 Alcorn State turnovers. Next up for Maryland, home to Nichols State this Tuesday night, at 8.30. Meantime, Georgetown, it improved to 6-4 and four this season with a 71-54 win over Coppin State at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. Uh, yeah, the Hoyas uh, may soon be the number one team at Capital One Arena. Uh, Coppin State fell to one and eleven on the season. So, as with Maryland's blowout of Alcorn State, uh, this was not some you know supremely impressive win. But the Hoyas were without their best player, six-two Illinois transfer Jaden Epps. He did not play in this game due to illness. So, the Hoyas' defense in this game was great. They held Coppin State to just. 14 points in the first half. Uh, the Hoyas for the game held Coppin State to just 19 of 49 on twos and allowed Coppin State to generate just five free throw attempts. And the Hoyas generated 18 Coppin State turnovers as Georgetown finished with 13 steals. Uh, now the Hoyas shooting was not great. Uh, they went 8 of 24 on threes and just 17 of 41 on twos. Did go 13 to 16 on free throws. But the Hoyas got really nice games from Rowan Brumbaugh and Dontrez Stiles. Uh, Rowan Brumbaugh, 6-4 Texas transfer. He, in 30 minutes as a starter, went what a three on threes, three of four on twos, and five of five on free throws. He finished with 14 points, 7 rebounds, 5 steals, and 4 assists versus 2 turnovers. And Dontrez Styles, a 6'6", North Carolina transfer. He, in 33 minutes as a starter, went 3-6 three on threes, 4-10 on twos, and 2-2 two two on free throws. And he finished with 19 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists versus 2 turnovers and 2 steals. Next up for Georgetown at Notre Dame, this Saturday afternoon at 2. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on x at Al Galdi. You can email me, the podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 720. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders as they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their game at the Los Angeles Rams this Sunday afternoon at 4.05. Also on Thursday show, I'll talk Wizards. The Wizards are home to the New Orleans Pelicans Wednesday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Wednesday and they'll talk to you on Thursday.
2: So in honor of the shirt, F them picks. We'll use them to go win more Super Bowls. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.